Okay, hello and welcome to the Penna podcast on the student stage. I'm Una Valermo, I'm lead client partner Penna. I am joined by Rosie, who I'm going to hand over to to introduce herself. Hi, thanks Una. I'm um, Rosie Blackett and I'm the Young Persons Participation Development Worker at the National House Project Charity. Brilliant. So, we've got a few questions for you today, but we're talking about winding participation in university recruitment strategies, which we're kind of having a bit of preamble for this, something that is important and is something that universities have focused on in the past, but there's been a real sort of growth in this area, something that we as an agency have refocused on and noticed in the past of 12 months. So it's there's clearly an appetite in the market for it. Um, Rosie, do you know, do you have any sort of thoughts as to why there has been this sort of growing interest in in widening participation i think um i think universities just realize that actually it's not kind of a a one size fits all when you're recruiting um to go to university and um, there's a massive proportion of population now an increase in proportion of uh, of the population that do come from disadvantaged backgrounds and i think universities are now realizing in terms of recruitment, there's a massive pool of young people there that have a lot of um, a lot to offer and actually would be really welcome in the environment of higher education. So I think they're probably realizing actually how do we how do we um, connect with these young people and encourage them to even consider coming to university and actually have the aspirations well before you know, wanting, you know, taking that step to come to university. How do we inspire them? How do we give them the the um, aspirations to want to come into HE? And that's it, isn't it? There's a, there's a difference between, I think, a lot of what university marketing strategies do is say, pick us as an institution because of X, Y, Z. But with this particular audience, it's about convincing them that actually university is the right route in the first place let alone choosing which one to go to. Absolutely. And I think universities also need to consider it's not actually just about the course they're offering. It's about that whole holistic package that comes with supporting a young person at university. You know, it's about when it when a young person, you know, leaves care, they leave care at 18 and they've got nowhere to go. So if they move away to go to university, they need somewhere to stay for 52 weeks of the year. So what are universities doing to to accommodate the needs of that young person? Um, When a young person, you know, I'm not sure how it works with addresses at university, but a young person, when they leave care, they give up that residential placement. They give up that foster home because they've ultimately left care. So where's their permanent residence then? How do universities support young people to think about what that permanent residence looks like? Because can it be halls of residence? Is it an appropriate thing to ask young people to say okay this hall of residence is my permanent place to, to live so you know what's all that extra stuff put in place not just to encourage young people to come to university but actually how do we support them when they're there that's such a an interesting consideration because that's something that so you know the wide majority of prospective students don't even have to think about you just put mum and dad's address down don't you so that's a whole other a whole other landscape what other considerations are there that, that you know universities might need to think about? The obvious one is cost. 
um, the, the cost to go to university. So um, I'll talk a little bit about my personal experience here. So I'm, I'm 34 now, but when I was 18, um, I left care. I grew up in care. I was in care all my life. Left care when I was 18. Um, and I was, I was ambitious and I went to university and I did an undergraduate course and then I stayed on and did a postgraduate course. Now, when I was at university 14 years ago, I didn't have to pay tuition fees because it was based on parents' income and technically I had no parents, so I didn't pay any costs to go to university. I got student loans and they supported me in terms of maintenance so I could pay board to my foster parents at the time to stay living with them because I didn't move away. Um, but now, because there's no support and young people, if they're in care and, and all classes are care leaver, they've got to pay their tuition fees as well as all that maintenance cost to live independently. It's massive. So where's the financial support to, first of all, encourage young people to come to university and again, ensure that they stay? Um, I know some universities do offer bursaries, mm. um, depending on the course that you're doing, but that's not a blanket, you know, here's a bursary to, to come to university. And it's all dependent on like the leaving care offer. So if you're a, a young person leaving care in Staffordshire Local Authority, you might have some... Um, some bespoke packages to help you go to university. But actually, if you're a young person leaving care in Warwickshire local authority, you might not have the same offer. So it's very kind of different and a bit postcode lottery in terms of what support you get to go to university from your local authority. So I think if there was kind of a, a blanket support offer for all young people, that would be really beneficial. That's, again, so interesting. I didn't realise it was a, based on sort of local authority. So do you reckon there's, so there's obviously a lot that universities themselves can then offer as an institution that's sort of separate from that to say, you know, I mean, we've got a client up in Scotland who kind of offers free accommodation for the first year for, for students from these kind of backgrounds. So, yeah, I feels like the owners should be always on the university themselves to offer what they can to these, to these people. Yeah, absolutely. Like we said, there's a massive pool of young people that actually if they knew what was out there and knew, oh, there's this massive amount of support to help me if I want to go to university, there'd be much more interest in going. And it's great that there's some universities that offer 52 weeks um, accommodation for a mm. young person, 12 months. But actually, you don't think about what am I going to do in terms of living arrangements for the next 12 months. You think a lot you know a lot more long term than that a young person needs to know where they're going to be at the end of that degree whether it's three mm. or four years it's not good enough to say oh here's a 12 months offer because actually that young person potentially is looking at being homeless again you know 12 months into their degree that actually is probably even more um traumatizing to a young person mm. than actually giving them any accommodation at all um, so I think the accommodation offer is massive. I think there needs to be designated people in universities to help mentor young people because young people leaving care, um, they're dealing with a lot of trauma generally. They've yeah. been through a lot in their lives and actually they need that added support, um, not, not just financially, but emotionally they need that added support as well. So a designated person within universities um, the option to have, you know, to go to a bursary fund, you know, it, really simple. When I was at university, they had um, a scheme. I went to Staffordshire University. Mm. They had a scheme there called Ask Alf. And it was when you became, you know, if you had um, financial issues that were affecting your study, you could go to the Ask Alf fund 
and request funding for certain things. Now, I needed a crown. Um, I was, you know, 19 and I'd got an issue with my tooth and I needed a crown. That's £400. Where does a student with no support from any parents or family, you know, get £400 for, to, you know, to, to, to get their tooth fixed? So it's that Which kind you need of... To do. That's, yeah, knowing that yeah. there's that additional support out there is really beneficial um, to support young people emotionally and, and allow them to transition into HE. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point to say that, you know, there clearly are pockets of support available and each institution might have their own sort of version of it. But when you were deciding which university you were going to go to, how aware were you of all this extra support? Was it something that you were like actively looking for or is it something you discovered once you got there? Um, once I got there, and really it was because um, I knew some people at the university that had expertise and knowledge okay. and could kind of give them the direction. Um, so it wasn't a blanket, this is what the university offers um, and this is how you access it. It was more kind of going out and, and finding it myself, um, but it would have been really beneficial. You know, I, I don't even know when I applied, and I don't really have to do this now, Una, but when you fill out your UCAS form, do you have to declare whether you're a care leaver or not? Or do you declare whether you're from, um, you know, whether you're part of a population that's deemed as disadvantaged? Because that would be a real kind of useful way to identify what young people are actually interested, what, what populations of society, um, prospective students are coming from um, in order for kind of the strategy to be put in place for universities to know, okay, our marketing strategy needs to look at A, B and C because actually the interest from UCAS this year is 30% care leavers, for instance, mm. and surely that should dictate what their marketing strategy should be like. Well, this is it. And then there's also the element of how do you reach these people before they've made their application so they're not put off by the idea of university in the first place because... And this is something that a lot of our clients sort of struggle with is how do you identify these individuals that, you know, when they're age 16, they need to start thinking about this. But how do you kind of isolate them in this population to tell them there is support available for you? But where do you, how do you find it? How do you access it? So, yeah, it's a really interesting conversation. And it's interesting that you say that you didn't feel that you had that information would be available until you'd actually enrolled and got there and then you also mentioned that it was because you knew other people who'd done that it's Stafford University was um my local university so I had connections locally and when I went to university the social work course at the university um invited me along because they knew I was a care leader at universities to support their students in terms of their learning from a lived experience um and that those lecturers obviously had a background in in social work so kind of supported me and gave me some direction um whilst I was at university and offered that kind of mentoring type role um and and it was really really beneficial it was nice to know that there was someone there that kind of understood some of the issues that I was dealing with understood kind of some of the emotions that would play out at university that potentially other young people that weren't from a care background might not necessarily have to deal with. Um, you know, the potential that I don't have anywhere to go at Christmas. You know, whereas other young people would be leaving now, you know, leaving, so yeah, I'm going, you know, back home for Christmas. 
that kind of thing. Although I wasn't in halls, it, it's the fact that actually people are in halls and they haven't got anywhere to go for Christmas. Um, in my role now as the participation worker at the National House Project, um, I work with a number of young people that, at, that are at university. One in particular is going to be living there for 52 weeks of the year. They don't have anywhere to go back to to say I'm going home this weekend. They're there all the time, you know, and that's the reality of it. You know, dealing with that emotion that sits behind not having anywhere to call home other than that halls of residence is massive. So what's the university doing, you know, in those kind of evening hours at the weekend to support that young person? Because if they don't have the support, you know, is that going to break down for them at university? Because they haven't got that holistic support, that emotional support. It's not just about the study, is it? It's much more than the study. It's about supporting the young people when they're there. 100%. 100%. And I think it's as well a lot of you know, university marketing messages that you see out there. It's very much about community and inclusivity and saying, you know, come here and you'll feel part of something bigger and you can really make yourself at university, which, you know, they're good messages, but actually putting that into practice this audience is that it's you've got to really stick to your guns here maybe there's something una to be said about actually the marketing strategy for universities to recruit should be if that university is in um, a deprived area maybe they should be focusing more locally on getting students locally because that would kind of tie in that community aspect keep that young person local where all their kind of peer support is you know, take a young person away from all of that peer support and isolate them in a university environment that they don't know anything about is much more difficult for a young person to succeed in that environment than it would be to succeed locally with all that peer support wrapped around them. So maybe the investment should be around, you know, universities kind of localising a care leaver offer, you know, and localising that kind of widening participation work um, and, and that could be done through um, every local authority has a virtual head teacher mm. that supports um, young people in care um, up to the age of 18. So when you referred to earlier about when, how do we tap into um, care leavers when they're 16, if they show an interest or an aspiration to go to university, how do we support them at that early stage? Well, actually, there should be a partnership between the university and that virtual school. Uh, you know, to say, okay, how many young people have you got showing attainment and actually interested in going to university? Let's work with those young people. Let's aspire them to go to university. Let's um, invite them to the university when they're 16, when they're 16 and a half, when they're 17, when they're 17 and a half. So actually, that's not an alien environment for that young person. And actually, it's somewhere that they they feel quite comfortable going to. It helps them aspire. It keeps that it keeps that dream real, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point around saying that it's not just going to one university open day is probably not enough to sell it. You need to have a lot more, you know, far more frequent and many more of them visits to, to the institution to say. And this is what a typical day might look like. And this is what studying looks like and get them assimilated into the environment and the atmosphere. And at those open days, Una, there should be, you know, um, young people with um, care experiences 
working as paid professionals on those open days, buddying up with other care experienced people saying, this is what it was like for me. Look, I'm here and I'm doing this, you know, whether that's through kind of a student ambassador scheme at the university, um, that would help the current students financially. Um, yeah. And also offer that peer support and, and kind of that affirmation that actually I'm not the only one doing this. There's lots of other people that have done it, are doing it and will continue to do it. Yeah, I, it's we speak about that a lot in sort of university marketing strategies, saying peer reviews is almost the most powerful way to get people engaged because they can visualise someone who's just like them is doing it. So why, can, why shouldn't I be able to as well? Mm. it'd be really good to just finish up with hearing a bit more if you don't mind about your own journey because you you know came from a a care background and then went on to undergraduates and you clearly loved it enough to do a postgraduate so what how how did you end up at that decision um so Wow, where that you know what una um i was so i came into care when i was um six um, and my time in care up until I was about 16, 17, never really had massive ambitions to go to university. Um, but what I did know is I wasn't ready to leave care at 18, um, okay. is what I absolutely knew. And by staying um, in HE, I didn't have to technically leave care when I was 18 because actually mm. the local authority will continue to support you as long as you're in full-time education. So actually it was my recognition that I probably wasn't, emotionally able to leave care at 18 which you know in my experience most young people aren't emotionally ready without that kind of network of support around them to leave care and live a fulfilling life at that age going to university kind of helped me mature and helped me to kind of feel quite empowered and about um, me and about my understanding of what I wanted to do with my life Um, I stayed with my foster parents for the first kind of 18 months when I went to university and paid board to them. Um, so I had to go out and work as well as having a student loan, went out and worked, had three part-time jobs, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then when I was about um, 19 and a half, 20, I thought, actually, maybe I can try this kind of living semi-independently. Um, and I moved in with a friend and we shared a house together for, for 12 months and then thought, you know what, I'm nearly 21, I could do this, um, moved to live independently. It seemed to be working okay for me, so stayed on and did a postgraduate. Again, knowing that if I left full-time education, that support from the local authority might not be there as it is now, you, you know, when I return. So it was much more about kind of making myself emotionally ready um, rather than actually what I was learning at university. I think it was about building me as a person rather than developing my understanding around. I did sports development and coaching at undergrad and then did um, empowering communities at postgrad. So very different, but actually it was the experience of going to university that kind of gave me the building blocks to to learn to live independently and and have a fulfilling life. That is so beautifully said. I'm not going to add anything else to it. That was a, a really wonderful closing statement um thank you so much for your time i've loved listening to that but like you know ask you a million and more four questions but <laughs> i think we're gonna end up there so if you have learned something new and enjoyed our podcast please like and share it on social 
you can listen and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and all the other mainstream podcast players. If you've got any questions for uh, Rosie or Bride today, please visit peneducation.co.uk. And thank you for joining.